Where else can you go to not only find the information on how to train your dog, but the best deals on training equipment as well? Standing Stone Supply has everything you need to create that next versatile champion from DT system electronics down to even emergency med kits to take with you on your hunting trips. If you need some help with your training program, then their step-by-step online course might be a great fit for you, making it a convenient one-stop shop for the knowledge as well as the gear to take your training to the next level. Hit up standingstonesupply.com and promo code GDIY will save you 10%. As someone who constantly travels to new locations out of state to hunt, I have to rely on map scouting before I even get in the truck. Onyx Hunt Maps makes it super easy for me to plan out my trips as well as track my success while on the trip. The offline maps along with the tracking feature and ability to add pictures to my waypoints means I can always reference old trips and hunts to better prepare for the next. When planning your next hunt, be sure to use Onyx to put you and your dog in the best situation you can. Use code GDIY20 at checkout to save 20% and know where you stand with Onyx. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. And so, obviously, when you're preparing for your trip, there's more to it than just map scouting and hunt scouting. I mean, that's that's the fun stuff. But there's a certain level of preparation that you as a responsible hunter and dog owner need to take before you even get to that trip. Do you have trouble physically making it through long hunts? Is your dog always giving you that angry look telling you to keep up? train your dog but now it's time to train yourself rocky mountain hunt strong is the company for any hunter that is looking for an effective fitness routine to get healthier and be able to hunt longer and harder this company has merged fitness and the passion of hunting to help people like you and me continue to do what we love from the rockies to the smokies and every field or prairie in between this company can get you ready to go longer cover more ground and recover quicker Go to RockyMountainHuntStrong.com and see their program for yourself. Use the discount code GDIY to save 15% and get to work. Train harder, hunt stronger, and recover faster. And it's time for another weekly edition of Gundog It Yourself. Welcome back, everybody. Adam, you doing all right today? Living the dream. Oh, so we're both living the dream then. <laughs> I was just going to see what you say if I said I was living the dream. <laughs> well, go ahead. Tell everybody what we're talking about since you're stealing everybody's thunder today. <laughs> well, uh, basically how to plan a hunting trip, all this, the logistical planning that goes into it and scouting on the maps. And we tried to cover everything that we could possibly think of to plan a fall hunting trip with some friends. What did, what did we leave out, Nick? Uh, we left out a few things, uh, but first let's go ahead and do our normal weekly self-promotion, you know, selfless, yep. go follow tag all this. You want to take it this week? Yeah. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, send us an email. If you got questions, you know, especially if it's something bad, send us the bad feedback to And what is the email address? Gundog yourself at gmail.com. There you go. And, uh, of course we love getting ratings and reviews. So yeah. please do that for us. If you got a one star for us, just send us the email, save the one star for yourself. Yeah. Tell us why we suck. Yeah. That'd be great. Uh, but yeah, you know, Patreon, obviously we're always pushing that too. It, it takes money to run a podcast and it helps us develop some new plans we got going on too. So 
hit us up on Patreon. Give us a dollar. We'll mail you a love letter and a sticker. Man, I trained you well. Yeah, thanks, buddy. <laughs> well, back to your other question. What we left out on this is uh, after re-listening to it, I, f- I know that we did leave out a few things that you know maybe doesn't have to be said, but it's worth mentioning, I guess, for for anybody that's curious. Maybe it's the first trip and they don't even know you know know what to consider. Uh, so won't spend too much time on this, but the first few is is kind of gear related, and uh, the first one I would say is spare gun. Make sure you take a spare shotgun with you. Yep, absolutely. Uh, I think last year when we went, we decided that probably one spare gun amongst three people is probably enough. Yeah, I mean, if y'all are busting that many shotguns, y'all yeah. need a better hunting crew than that. Or a better shotgun. But uh, yeah, and then along those lines, again, a boot dryer and or spare pair of boots. Yep, I go with spare pair of boots so that I can throw them back on immediately and then uh i don't even have a boot dryer i just stuff newspaper down into my boots and it sucks the water out pretty quick yeah i actually do both i have a really kind of crappy boot dryer that i take with me it's a little mobile one but i have been on trips to where you just go out there and if it's horrible weather you if it's raining and storming all week and you're you're there you're gonna hunt either way you know sometimes you just need to dry a pair of boots while you're hunting another one and then yeah. you just have have a constant rotation and so you can pick up a little cheapy boot dryer for 20 30 bucks it's not a big deal and it doesn't take up much space so check that out and then again kind of along the same lines uh boots for your dog dog boots and a lot of people absolutely refuse to use dog boots but i don't use dog boots a whole lot but I have been in areas in Oklahoma where there's sand burrs that can easily take your dog out. And then if you don't have many dogs in the rotation and you're on a week long hunt, you know, those dog boots can really save your dog and get a lot more hunting out of them in the long run. Yeah, for sure. I keep uh, some of the ones that are like little bicycle uh, tire tube material Yeah, that are smaller around the top, kind of looks like a balloon and it just goes over the dog's foot. I keep some of those in my hunting vest so that if I need to, if he like rips a pad, I can rinse it out, cover it up and, and move on. Yep. So too easy, easy to carry around. And this one, a lot of people, they don't really think of this one. And I was shocked at how, when I first got this, I'm like, this will be nice to have in the truck. Didn't think I was going to use it that often, but a portable jumper for your truck. Yeah. That'll come in handy. Yeah. It, and it has for, a, like I said, I, I've been kind of surprised at how often I've used it. Uh, you can get these things for 50, 70, 80 bucks now, and they're really good models. And I've had one in my truck. It's been on one charge for like three years, and I've jumped off probably 15, 20 trucks with it. And say you're in the backwoods, you don't know where you're at, you don't have cell phone service, and you left a light on while getting your dog out or something, you can easily kill your battery. And, you know, 50, 60 bucks can easily jump off your truck. And, you know, no worries. You're back at camp. Yeah, and it's worth way more than 50 or 60 bucks when you're out in the woods by yourself and got a dead battery. And the last one I have written down that I noticed we didn't cover is be sure to really know the hunting regulations in the area that you're going to, especially if it's your first time there. Uh, you don't want something stupid kind of bringing down your trip. And it's always a good idea to to even call and talk to the game warden or the game department and in the location that you're going to before to make sure that you really understand what's happening. And I know from personal experience, kind of that that can kind of ruin at least a day, if not, you know, 
depending on your personality, your full trip, I guess. I was going to say, this sounds like you're speaking from personal experience on this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, have, I have a story on that one. I'll but. tell you what, instead of the life advice with Adam, let's just go ahead and hear a long, no, let's hear a short tale from Nick. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> so I've had over the years since fishing and hunting, I've only had one time that I've had kind of a run in with game wardens to where I actually got a ticket. You know, I've never worried about, never worried about interacting with them. I kind of look forward to it because sometimes you can learn a lot of good information by just talking to them. But it was a few years ago, went up to North Dakota. We're actually staying with, uh, Tyler Webster up in, uh, from uh, birds, booze and buds. And, uh, every now and then he just did an episode a few weeks back about like a game warden check on that, you know, in North Dakota. And he was talking about how great of interaction he had with him. And I texted him, I was like, definitely wasn't my story. And, uh, he got a kick out of that, but yeah, so it, it was real simple. We, we thought we had a good understanding of the regulations of the area. We even called before we went up there, made sure we went up there we were directed to kind of go into a specific area to, to scout and go hunt for some sharp tails and try and find some ducks and everything. And it was, we got up there. We weren't even hunting the first day we got up there. We were just scouting around. We were headed to that one location we were told to go look at and passed a ga- uh, game warden check on the road. So we had to stop. We talked to them. They asked where we we're going. We we're like, we're going right over there. We're going to go look for some sharp tails and ducks. Okay. Have a good time. We go over there. We find a sweet spot to set up for duck hunting the next morning. We go the next morning. We're set up. Man, those ducks are pitching in. They're just flying in. I mean, it's it, we're just sitting there watching the clock, waiting for legal shooting time. All right, we there. It's just covered up. We we're like, man, we're gonna limit out in like five minutes here. <laughs> and no joke, two minutes before shooting time, flashlight clicks on and. Dude blows a whistle, I think it was, and yells at us that we're not allowed to hunt there, and we have to come back in. We're like, what? And we get all the way up. So he made us pack all our decoys up and go back up there. And it was a little park ranger or whatever, like wasn't even the DNR uh, guy, but he had to call. Somebody called and said that they saw us like going into this refuge area. Yeah, And we t- explained to the guy, we, ch- you know, we, ch- we are told to hunt here, which doesn't really mean anything to them, but we just told the game wardens at the check station yesterday, we pointed right here. Like, they were 200 yards away from this spot. <laughs> They're and, just thinking, oh, cool, yeah. come out here tomorrow and write you a ticket. And so he called the DNR guy out there, and the DNR guy called the guys that worked the station. They confirmed they talked to us and then still wrote us a ticket. And that's tough. Yeah, and and it was it, it completely killed that day because we weren't just there. It didn't take thirty minutes. We literally had to wait on that DNR guy to come, and it was like four or five hours. And oh, then man. we're sitting there trying to make our case with them, like, dude, we have all the licenses, we have everything here. Your guy said it was okay to hunt. They got on the phone, confirmed that they spoke to us, and you're still writing us a ticket. Yep. And then they just make it just enough to where it's like, if you want to fight it, you have to come all the way back to North Dakota to fight it. And it's yeah, like, cause that's going to happen. Yeah. And it's like, uh, it, it was just, yeah, it, well, but, man, it's tough to get a ticket, uh, anyways, but then when you're sitting there two minutes before legal shooting oh, night man. and you've just got 
ducks pitching in like that and you're like yeah man this is it this is what we drove all the way here for this is going to be awesome and then what's sad? what's what's rain on your parade you know i'm not going into all the details or else we'll be here for 20 minutes like i said short tail yeah but you know (laughs) what's really sad is after we said that we're going to go scout this you know you can road hunt in north dakota and we were driving down that road after going to the through the check station saying we're going to go there there okay have a good time well, there's a goose across the road. I, I can't remember if it was me, Austin, or Adam. One of us got out, shot the goose, threw it in the back of the truck. And when we got done scouting and started heading back to the camp, we passed through the same check station. And they're like, do you have any birds with you? Well, we got one goose from right there. And they're like, oh, okay, cool. And let us go right on. Yep. And so it's just. It sounds like that road uh, was like the boundary. You can maybe shoot on the right side of no, it, but not the left. Or no, something that's, like that. that's what he said. Yeah. He was like, if you if you go right there, you can hunt there. But this is a refuge. And we look up and there, there's a sign on that fence that he's saying you can hunt across. And it still says wildlife refuge. Oh, man. And it was just one of those. just Got to draw the line somewhere, yeah, I guess. I guess. But <laughs> it was a nightmare. And I mean, honestly, like. It, it it that hunting trip had a had a bunch of bad luck anyway there but, you go well yeah. there's our last tip for you before we get into the episode make sure you check out the local laws <laughs> and uh you know even talk to the local game warden not that it's going to help every time but <laughs> yeah. it's worth a shot yep that's my story so hope you guys enjoy and uh get something out of this episode if you're currently in the market for a kennel then be sure to check out gunner kennels Gunner Kennels is the only kennel that's five-star crash rated from the Center for Pet Safety. The double-wall rotomodal construction ensures it holds up in all types of weather and conditions. Also, Gunner Kennels has a lifetime warranty. These kennels are built to last a lifetime, and Gunner stands behind that. Gunner also has all the accessories you can need, from fan kits to help keep them cool, performance and orthopedic pads to help keep them comfortable and ready to go after long travels and even tie-down straps to help ensure there's no worries for the kennel moving or sliding around in your truck. So if you need man's best kennel for man's best friend, head on over to gundogityourself.com and click on the Gunner link. Be sure to purchase your kennel, accessories, and even gift cards for holidays and birthdays through our link, and it will go a long way in helping out the podcast. All right, Adam, so why do we train dogs? So we can hunt. Next question. (laughs) (laughs) And where do we hunt? In the woods. More specifically, region, location? Southern Appalachian. Yeah. But if you want to find birds, where do we hunt? Not the Southern Appalachian. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, we're all about hunting the Southern Appalachia. We're glutton for punishment. We love going up and down those mountainsides and through... Through the rhododendron and coming out all scratched up and through the briars and everything. But, you know, down here, we plan at least one big annual hunt in the fall. And the goal is get on as many birds as possible because our dogs need bird contacts. And we just can't find that down here. So we have to go to the birds. Yeah, it's like a little vacation for our bird dogs and us. It's like taking them to (laughs) Disney World. Exactly. Uh, once a year. So that's what this episode is about is talking through all the details of how to plan your trip and everything that goes into it. Yeah, absolutely. And so obviously you don't just hop in the truck and drive wherever and hunt. I mean, you can, but how successful you are yeah. 
you know, it, it kind of varies. And, and the more time and energy you put into planning these trips, the better. And, and it's more than just picking out a place or somebody saying, hey, there's a lot of birds in this one city in the middle of nowhere, you know, and going there. It's there's a lot more to it. You have to plan around the habitat, how many areas you're going to hunt, uh, you, you know, the map. time of year you're going to go. Yeah. And you mentioned habitat, you know, what the cover is going to look like. Yeah. Map scouting. Uh, and, and honestly it changes depending on how many dogs you have, how many people in the group you have, you know, even living quarters. Are yeah. you camping? Are you getting a cabin? Are you yep. getting a hotel? Uh, whatever. How, how much do you want to rough it? essentially and you know what's great about the timing of this episode is people are like man it's summertime why are they talking about planning a trip well if you're gonna camp fine you can find a place to camp like a week out but if you're gonna stay at an airbnb or a what is it vrbo or something yeah. like that then you better start planning now because places are gonna fill up um speaking of which we'd have to uh still pay for our cabin that we're looking at in minnesota <laughs> okay i'll send you the money when you're ready i tell you what man I heard someone say one time, you know, it's better than having a boat, having a friend with a boat. You know, it's better than planning for a hunting trip, having a friend that plans a hunting trip. Man, I tell you <laughs> what, every freaking year, that's that's what I fall under. It's like, uh, all right, we have a, a core group of guys yep. and, and they're just, you know, ah, Nick will find the place. No, I'm, and that's, uh, I've been conscious of that as we're, as you and I have been planning the trip <laughs> that you're, you know, you'll text me throughout the work day and you're like, hey looking at this place or we need to reserve this or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Let me, let me shift <laughs> gears away from work here for a minute and, and get into the grouse woods or whatever it is that we're going to do. And, uh, so I've been, I've been trying to to steer myself towards that, but you're just on top of it, man. You're, you're on it. You're planning it. So you can't complain about no one else planning it. No, cause you're planning it. I, I enjoy it. I, <laughs> yeah. I have fun with it. Don't that, get me wrong. It's, I know you do. The only time I complain is when you get there and then everybody's looking at you saying, where do I go hunt? And I'm like, you know what? You knew where we were going. I you, got ha you, you have yeah. Onyx, you yeah. have Google earth. You should know where you want to go hunt. Yeah. And, uh, honestly, it, last year, especially we, uh, we got directed to a lot of spots by uh, OTB, Bill Coffey. Yep. And uh, we need to have him on again here soon. He's got a new yeah, pup. We, ne we need to check in with him. But anyway, caveat. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he directed us because he was familiar with the area that we were going in. And, and it worked out. And it really pieced together a lot of grouse habitat for me because, you know, the I went to Wisconsin a few years ago, four, four years ago, I think. Right. And that was my first year with a gun dog uh, during hunting season, you know, big trip. And I went out there and we had, we had a, I mean, when I say a little bit, we had a little bit of success. I mean, just enough to make you want to keep coming back. Sure. But I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I didn't know right. what I was looking at is like by the end of the week. I was kind of figuring it out. I'm like, okay, we found birds here. We didn't find birds there. You know, one of these things is not like the other one. Yeah, you, you've uh, done more traveling for, for bird hunting than I have. But something I've learned is that the more you can plan and scout with maps and internet and programs like Scout and Hunt that Ann Jandernall has, yeah, um, the more time you get to spend hunting. Yes, uh, exactly. A couple and, of years ago, my brother and I went 
to an undisclosed location in West Virginia to hunt grouse. And uh, we did some planning. You know, I, I did some planning and uh, figured out kind of where we were going to camp and the, the general area and stuff like that. But I, I did more like logistical planning and stuff like that and didn't do a lot of scouting. Yeah. I was like, oh, this huge area is known for grouse in West Virginia. You, like, did, you did trip planning, but you didn't but, do hunting. Right. Planning. So then once we got there, I'm like, oh, dude, this is huge. <laughs> like, you know, so we <laughs> spent a lot of trees out here. You know, I think we were there for uh, an extended weekend or something. Yeah. And we spent a lot of time behind the windshield driving around and then we'd run into other hunters uh and not too many other hunters we ran into a few so an area that i thought based on some like map recon if you want to call it that like oh this looks good on the map let's go there get there and run into someone they'd say oh you're you know, you've got a young dog and you're after woodcock. We're like, you should totally go to this other place. They're probably just steering me away from their <laughs> grouse honey hole. But, yep. um, you know, you, you can get tips from, from other hunters and locals, but I'd say you need to temper it with, they'll probably, they're not going to give you their best spot. Right. And, and also if you only go to other spots that people tell you to go, yeah, you're never going to learn how to find the spots on your exactly. own. And that that's kind of the point I was getting to with OTB kind of guiding me to certain spots in Wisconsin last year because he wasn't going with us just out of the kindness of his own heart. He kind of knew the area. He was kind of right. giving us some pointers, and I was able to go to some of his productive spots, see what it was, really kind of download that information in my own brain. And then I was able to go look for my own spots and take what I learned from Bill's spots, contribute it to what I was walking through and finding new areas. And I was able by the end of the trip, you know, halfway through the week, I was able to really start kind of pinpointing what I was looking for because we've talked about it before. I'm not the world's best at recognizing plants and, and sure. naming the plants so it's you kind of figure out the tricks on what works best with your brain and what you're what you know well and you're able to contribute it to your hunt and making it work for you but if you're that person that i'm only going to go where somebody tells me to go okay number one you're going to lose hunting partners and friends real quick yeah because you're going to burn up their spots That's it. and number two part of the enjoyment and fun is learning the woods yourself. Right. And even if you have less success, less immediate success, then you're going to be better off in the long run because every spot you go to that you don't find birds, you learn what's wrong with that spot. Yeah. And it's, it's so much more rewarding to have done your own scouting and figure everything out all that goes into scouting, all the planning, all that to get a bird in the bag based on everything on your own. Then for someone to just go, here's a location on the map. I saw a bunch of birds there yesterday. Go like, it's going to be fun. You're going to go get some birds, but, but it was just given to you, you know? And I mean, I enjoy that too. It's nice (laughs) when someone's like, here's a spot. It's great. Go tear it up. Uh, But it's more rewarding when, I mean, just, the whole thing with our podcast when yeah. you do it yourself. Right. So, uh, the other thing is when someone just gives you a spot on the map, dude, I just flushed, you know, three birds right in here this morning. 
well, those three birds probably aren't there anymore. So, <laughs> so yeah. they might be in a week, but uh, if it's the same day, like probably not a great spot to go. So you got to consider that stuff too. When exactly. You're advice. So let's back it up. Let's start with the beginning. If you're starting to plan the trip of a lifetime, a fall trip, a hunting trip, you might think that it starts with where. It doesn't. It starts with what? Yeah. What are you hunting? What species it, do you want It to may sound like a silly point to make, but right. you'd be shocked at how many people I've talked about. And it's just like, they're just, they've, they've heard Kansas is a great spot to go. I'm like, okay, well, Kansas has a lot of land. What do you want to hunt? Right. And they're like, well, I mean, I've heard that Kansas has prairie chickens, pheasants, quail. Okay. Which one are you targeting? Well, right. But the whole state has all that. Okay. You have to define the actual bird that you want to go to and of course you know different states and different regions have overlap as far as species you know sometimes yeah and I, and I would say you don't have to define which species you want to go after but just understand that if you're like i'm going after pheasants prairie chicken and quail yeah that you're probably going to do mediocre at all three of those i'd say you could probably find a spot to do really well at two of them but if you don't hone in on a species and say that's specifically what I'm going for, then you're going to have some some mediocre hunts. I guess it depends on how you define mediocre because at the end of the week, if you go, yeah, man, we got two quail, a pheasant, and a prairie chicken, yeah. and I appreciate the the diversity of the bag, then and, awesome. You know, how do you define and success, that, right? And that was a learning curve that it took me a few years to learn is, you know, I love diversity. I love being uh, going out and being like, hey, we can come across four different types of birds out here. Right. But just like the trip that we're planning on for Minnesota this this year, you know, me and you were talking and, and we've had a couple invites here and there. And, you know, there's pheasants in part of the state in, in Minnesota. And then obviously there's grouse and woodcock and spruce grouse and other areas. And we were talking about trying to mix in pheasant and part of the trip and then grouse and part of the trip. And it's, we realize that like, okay, we, we can try and do that. But if we really wanted to go after pheasant then you know, we'd go to Iowa or South Dakota sure. or something. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it's like, I love, I love hunting a mixed bag, but at the same time, it's like, well, if we really wanted the pheasant, we would make a pheasant specific trip. And so, right. and so it's like, and you know, we, our time is limited. We, we have full-time jobs, you know, podcasting doesn't, doesn't pay the bills until, you know, hint, hint, Patreon users, you know, <laughs> there, there you go. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, so we decided, all right, rough grouse, woodcock, we're going to focus on that. So we're going to go to a specific region and hunt rough grouse the entire week instead of trying to, trying to split it up. Um, uh, but yeah, it, it's really that simple. And I mean, even I had to learn, I went to North Dakota a few years ago and I went with the intention of duck hunting in the morning, upland hunting in the afternoon. And I realized I was doing both, you know, like you said, mediocre, halfway. Yep. halfway. I wasn't having great success at either one of them because it just, I wasn't focused in on either one of them. And as much as you think that, okay, I can get out in the duck blind, hunt ducks, and then, you know, pack that up, have a quick lunch, be out in the prairie, you know, one or two o'clock. 
the timing never works out like that, you know, especially when you're hauling in decoys and back out and you have multiple dogs to deal with. And then you have three or four guys in the party and there's always one guy lagging behind. It's, you know, I realize if I went on that trip mainly for just upland or even just mainly for waterfowl, it would have been a much more successful trip doing one or the other than both. Yeah. And again, you have to, you have to have realistic expectations because the social media pictures of people posting, you know, I just, I just got to put my versatile dog on ducks this morning. And then here's my limit of pheasants that I got this afternoon. <laughs> That's not happening every day. No, if it was a regular occurrence, they wouldn't be posting it on social media as an exciting event. It's True. an exciting event because it doesn't happen all the time. Yeah. It if it does, happen. hit me up. I'll come hunt with you. <laughs> it, I mean, it definitely can sure. happen, yeah. especially if you live in that region. But, when, yep. you know, like us, we're driving 12 to, you know, when I went to North Dakota, it was a 22-hour drive. And so you're losing a day on the front end and a day on the back end traveling. And that's if you don't split up the drive. And so when you're taking a week off work, you know, vacation – you don't have the time to commit to really learn that area. Now, if you go back to the same spot and same area every year, right. you can eventually learn that over the years. And, and that's that's something to consider. If you know the exact area that you're going in and you know exactly what you're getting into, you can probably make it work. But uh, it also, you know, the hunting party that you go with plays a, a huge part into it. And it's, yes, we all have the same passion. We all want to go hunt, but you know, some people don't fit in the party as well. And some people can kind of drag that party down, not because they mean to, or they're malicious or anything, but over a week time you have, you know, you have to consider who you're going on the hunt with. Right. And, and that plays into, you know, we started with what are you wanting to hunt? Where are you going to hunt that? That's kind of the next thing. And it all ties together because, as you and I have been talking about our trip this fall, we're like, okay, this is how my vacation days work. I really don't want to waste any days for this. You know, well, I can't (laughs) leave on that day because, all right, well, maybe you and Joe can ride up together, you know? So the whole who's in your hunting party that plays into it and what days can they get off? Exactly. How far is the drive? And that's why I say where you're going to go. Um, it, you know, it really determines, is this really the spot we want to go or is it going to put us behind the windshield too much and, and cut into our hunting time? So yeah, exactly. you got to, you got to factor in the amount of time it takes to get there. Right. And so, you know what we were talking about, we, we agreed on a week. We thought we had it yep. hashed out and then, you know, the, the type of business that you're in, you don't really get a whole lot of say in a lot of things depending on uh, what's on the yeah. calendar or schedule, you yeah. know, it's, uh, you know, Gunny's got to go where Gunny's got to go. And uh, <laughs> so we had to bump the trip up a week and that kind of played around with uh, not even just vacation days, but obviously there's other plans on another weekend for a test. So it's like, all right, now we got to play around a test. Yeah. You know, we, we have to volunteer at that test and, you know, we got to lead by example. We got to be at right. that test volunteering. So it's, yeah, the, the boss came to visit last week and he's like, yeah, we're going to have this conference in, in October. 
And I'm like smiling, but on the inside, I'm like October, like, don't be messing with my October, you know? Sure enough, it was right in the middle of the week. Yeah. Yeah. And at first, of course, there's a little bit of suspense, right? Like it's going to be in October, but we don't know when. So I'm like, Nick, it's going to be in October, but we don't know when. He's like, dude, you got to be kidding me. And then as long as it's not this one week and then sure enough, it's that whole week. So, well, I mean, a dishonorable like, discharge <laughs> wouldn't be that bad of a thing, would it? Well, Hey man, I did the noble thing. I was like, go on without me, brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you know, I live by that army value. Never leave a fallen comrade. There you go, man. So you yeah, had, you, you had to shift weeks and I appreciate you. Yeah. Doing that. So, uh, but yeah, back on topic, the where it's obviously more important than just, you know, when everybody can get off work and go and, and how much windshield time because you don't you don't want to make a week-long trip to where you take the vacation off, you know, you get permission from the wife, you, you, you <laughs> save up the money and you dream all year of it just to go somewhere that maybe doesn't have birds. And right. so you really need to pick the area that you want to go to based on the species that you have, but also the timing of the year because, you know, grouse hunting, it's, it's a lot tougher when there's a lot of leaves on the ground or on the the trees and it's greened up. You know, you don't see as well as it's tighter shooting lanes. I don't mind that, but at the same time, you wait too long, maybe the woodcocks left there. They've migrated out, so you only have the grouse. Are a more educated for the season. Yes, the long the longer the season goes, the the more inclement weather you have, the longer hunting pressure it has. So it's kind of a balancing act. You really have to ask yourself what kind of trip you want. Do do you care that the woodcock are probably migrated out, or do you want them there? Does that matter to you? Does it matter to you that it's you know? The leaves are off the tree. A lot of people care about that stuff, and I understand that. And so you, depending on the areas that you're going to, you need to consider the time of year because just because an area is good in October does not mean that the area is good in December. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, and that kind of ties back again to what you're wanting to hunt. So if you're, if you're really just wanting to focus on grouse, and you're going to miss the majority of the the woodcock migration, then that's fine. But if you're wanting to get both of them, because you can find both species in in similar cover, um, then you want to plan accordingly. But I'll tell you, woodcock are such funny little birds to try to plan for (laughs) that just just go. You know, go after grouse and look at the woodcock as a bonus bird, is my opinion. Yeah, and the benefit to us, if we miss the woodcock migration up north, we're coming right back down we'll south. Just and catch we'll, them down this way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, so once you establish the area, it doesn't have to be a specific town, city, whatever. Uh, I mean, obviously, you you want to kind of zero in your home base and your operating base, and and work from there. You, You're you need pretty f- uh, pretty detailed on this. You know, your operating base. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we're gonna set up the SOPs later and all that stuff, uh, but. Again, this kind of goes back into the when, where, who, how type thing. Sure. You need to figure out, depending on who's in the group, your your living quarters. Do you need a cabin? Or right. are you good just roughing it in the truck? You know, if, if it's just me and my dogs, I'm perfectly fine just camping out in the truck. I enjoy that. I did that in Wisconsin with my buddy Adam a few years ago. We just had a campground and we, we crashed there 
all week. And believe, yep. and a lot of towns, especially up north, you know, uh, that there's actually free showers at the local ranger station just down the road. We figured that out just going up there. We didn't even know it was there until we got <laughs> up there. planning on not showering. Yeah, and we went up there to, like, just snag a couple maps or something. Sure. And I'm looking at the signs, and it's like, showers. And you go in there, and it's a free hot shower. There you and go, so man. And it's just like, hey, we'd get done hunting, shoot up there. And it's just, just that little bit. And it's like, hey, we've been camping out all week, two guys. I mean, my wife's not there. I don't care that I stink, but you know, when the dog starts right. turning their nose up at you after three or four days, it's like, <laughs> all right, maybe I should go wash yeah. up a little bit. I don't mind, uh, you know, camping or truck camping for a weekend or even an extended weekend. It, not only do I not mind it, but I, I enjoy it. I, I like kind of roughing it and yeah. honestly sleeping in a tent or in a truck is not that rough, especially if you're at a <laughs> campground where you got a shower and all that stuff. It, it's not that bad. There's, it's a, it's a lot of fun, but when you're going for a week and you're going to hit it hard, yeah, it is nice to sleep in a bed, have a hot shower, have the, a refrigerator, the, you know, it's just, it's the meals, easier. the meals is what does it to me. I love being able to cook a good meal to kind of replenish that entire day. Yeah. Cause you know, you, you know, it. you know me, if I'm there to hunt, like I'm out there all day, I might stop for a quick lunch, but I'm right. out there and I'm hoofing it. And by the end of the day, I'm pretty tired. So when you get back, you might want that nice big dinner and yep. maybe a shot of whiskey or two. Afterwards. Yeah, you're ready to eat, drink, sleep. You yeah. know, I, for a couple of days, I'm tired enough that I can sleep anywhere and I'm, I'm pretty well rested. But after a while, I don't sleep that good in the back of a truck or in yeah. a tent. Um, I can do it for a couple of days, but man, a week long, I just, I want a bed to sleep in. Yeah, exactly. And so if you have a group of three or four guys, usually you can find a cabin if you're looking early enough for a reasonable price and you have a little bit more creature comforts. You you know, you have the kitchen, you have a shower, you have a bed. And ultimately, you know, it, it's not it's not kind of spoiling yourself. It, it honestly, you're better well rested. You're you're better well fed. You you actually can get better hunting in because you you're well rested and well fed. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, getting into the details on that, I think, I think you, from what I've noticed so far, you kind of take the lead on the initial planning of like, here's where we're going. I found this cabin to rent, stuff like that. And then about the time, this is what I noticed last year is about the time that you're like, I'm done planning this. <laughs> I like to get into the details of like, all right, guys, I'm bringing this. We can eat it on Friday night. I already got this ready to eat. You know, I'm like food you oriented. Can, you come up with the itinerary for the actual right. day. Yep. I come up with just the general, like I, I figure out the big pieces you figure out, you know, it's like, you're like my hunting wife. You figure okay. out the stuff I don't want to figure out. <laughs> I was going to say that we just work well together and figure it out. I don't know if I'm ready to, to be your hunting wife yet, but uh, maybe ask me again in a couple years. Okay, uh, We'll still sleep in separate trucks. So it's all good. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, you know, once you figure out the place and the cabin, you kind of have your home, uh, your home base, you know where you're, you're going to be focused out of. Then you can really kind of get into the map scouting and start looking at public land and figuring out, okay, this looks like where I want to go hit. And I don't know about you, but you know, say I'm going up for a five day trip. I like to come up with three to four times as many spots than what days I have to hunt. 
because sure. there's a lot of things to consider. You know, you if you go up there for five days and you you only look at the map and you figure out three or four spots to go hunt and you're like, hey, I might circle back to one afterwards. Number one, you don't know if those three or four spots are going to be productive enough for you to circle back to. Number two, you don't know if you get out to that spot, there's already a truck sitting there waiting on you and you have no backup plan. And just familiarizing yourself with the area and the maps and kind of looking at the habitat from, you know, uh, literally a thousand foot aerial view on some of these map uh, apps, you're, you're going to figure out exactly what you're looking for before you even get up there. Yeah, absolutely. And again, that saves the, saves the time of driving around. I've made that mistake before and, and I still get the enjoyment of just driving around to get oriented. But if you can get oriented by way of a map before you get up there and have a few or quite a few spots picked out, yeah. then when you get to that spot and there's a truck there, it doesn't ruin your day. Yeah. You know, you just go on to your next spot. And if there's one there, that's like you're saying, that's why it's important to have way more than what you'd think because it's not just a truck that's there. It's you get there and you thought it was going to be early successional habitat and you get there and it's just old age forest. Yeah. You know, don't even get out of the truck. And that's, that's another tip is just because you've done the map work and you think it's going to be a good spot. If you show up there and it's not a good spot, like write it off. I mean, yeah. give it a chance. Maybe if it's old age forest next to where you're parking, maybe you do a little bit of walking and you find the good stuff. So don't write it off immediately, but don't just fall in love with your, your map plan and, and waste half a day <laughs> walking around because you thought it was going to be good. Yeah. And that kind of leads in good to what just map applications you use, because you have to realize when you're looking at the maps, if you're looking at Onyx, and I love Onyx, I use it all the time. And in different areas, it'll even show you like some states that'll show you the cuts that they made, some states that'll show you burns that they had, and what year it is. I love that stuff, but you also have to realize when it stands out that much to you, you're not the only one there. It stands out to everybody else. And I love Anjander now scout and hunt map. Okay. Yep. Depending on which state, some states are definitely more accurate than others uh but it's pretty dang close on all states honestly sure. but it gives you the exact area on the age and vegetation that you want to go look at if something if you literally pull it up and your eye just zeroes in on one area guess what everybody else's eye is <laughs> zeroing in on as yep. soon as they pull it up yeah now that's not to say you don't mark it and go check it out sure but don't be surprised if you mark it, you drive up to that parking area and there's two or three other trucks with RGS stickers sticking on it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And again, just because it's, you know, it could be a big area. It could be a large cut. So there's, there might be enough room for five different hunters to be right. in there. Um, but the same can be said, especially now that you're announcing it on the podcast to look <laughs> at the smaller areas. Um, well, the same can be said for those. Not, not just size it's uh i like so i'll i'm giving away some secrets here like i'm some huge big hunter guy you know i've had moderate success every year <laughs> i seem to get a little bit better and better yeah. which is what i'm going for 
But what I'll do is obviously I'll look at Onyx, I'll look at Ann's uh, Scout and Hunt app, and and I'll I'll make note of the obvious. But I like getting on Google Earth and that little time slide bar. If you haven't used Google Earth, there's a little time slide bar. If you look at the forest and, and the area that you're in, you can literally click back a year, two years, five years, depending on the area that the satellite takes the image, and you can see over time how that forest has developed in certain areas and you can i can't tell you how many times i've gone back and i've found specific cut areas that aren't shown on onyx or even Anne's map to a certain extent and that's what i'll mark and then some of them it's like all right well how the heck am i getting there yeah. <laughs> and but yep. you but the way i look at it is drive over there there's a logging trail somewhere because it was logged they got in there somehow yep and i'm not afraid to walk to get there you know that's a benefit of teaching my dog to heal i can heal them until there's a time to let them go and hunt save their energy but that google earth i honestly will double check what onyx shows me with google earth and i'm not talking about if you just type in google earth you're not going to get all the features that you have if you download the full version. A lot of people don't know that. So when you talk to people and they'll say, where do I go hunt? I'm like, how much time have you spent on Google Earth? Well, I mean, I, I can't find the time slide feature. I can't find this. I can't find that. I'm like, you're just using the the easy version that you just type in the Google bar and it pops up. Yeah. Download the full version. It's completely different when you get it on that desktop on your computer and you can you can save everything on there. You can change it all you want and you can search everything. And so I'll use the other apps to kind of put me in the specific area. And then I use Google earth to confirm where I want to go. That is a pro tip, man. I mean, I wouldn't say pro, but well, no, I mean, it, it really is because, and I'm sitting here like, why are you saying this on the podcast? You know, but, <laughs> but I mean, we want to share our limited success and we want to share our failures too. So it's good that you're, that you're sharing that. Um, man, there's, there's a lot of people that are like on X, here's the spot. That's where I'm going. And they don't look anywhere else or they use scout and hunt. Same thing. This is where it says to go. I'm going there and I'm not even looking out the window as I drive to the spot. Yeah. Like, don't be afraid to look out the window. You yeah. Know? <laughs> look out the window. And I mean, even before you, you have a chance to look out the window, another feature of Google earth, that street view. If you find an area back off in the woods, you find that cut that's not listed by Onyx or, or whatever, but you're like, man, I can't tell what that vegetation really looks like. You know, maybe there's even a, a road close by. It's like, is there a parking area? You know, that little yellow dude, you can kind of drop him on the street yep. and it gives you that street view and you can literally see what you're dealing with as far as the vegetation. And if you, if on the map, uh, there's been a couple of times I'm like, you know, that looks like a small parking area. Maybe I can park there and it's not labeled as well as the other one. So you know, let's drop that dude there. Oh yeah, I can park there. Or, you know, sometimes it's just a small snowmobile crossing or something like that. And it's like, but that's an access point. Let's find out where I can park. Maybe it's just a couple hundred yards down the road or something. Get get creative with it. Don't think that you only have to hunt the areas that, 
you know, are circled on Onyx when you're in there. I mean, don't get me wrong. I still highlight those. I have them marked on my my app and everything. I look at them, but so is everybody else. And Absolutely. So, so just get creative with it. And don't be afraid to change your plan because what you see on the map or even with satellite imagery and what you're going to see when you get there on the ground can be two drastically different things. So, again, don't fall in love with, I found this spot on my own using the, <laughs> you know, yeah. dragging the timeline on Google Earth. And I, I dropped it down, looked at the street view. Everything looks great because sometimes when you get there, it's just not the same. So no. don't fall in love with it. Don't be afraid to move. And don't get me wrong, just because you do all of this homework, just because you find all these spots, you can have 20 spots listed out on your map and you go hit all of them. Guess what? It's still hunting. Yep. You can still walk away with zero success. The conditions are changing constantly. It can snow one day, be sunny and hot the next day. I learned that in Wisconsin last year. You know, one day I'm bundled up, it's below freezing, and I'm hunting all day, and the next day it's freaking 70 degrees, and the grouse move from the area they were in the day before, and then they're down there in the little swamps. And don't get stuck in the map like you're saying. You know, you, right. you kind of have to pay attention to the conditions. When you see a bird, when you flush a bird, or your dog points bird, take a second to stop and soak it in. Look at what's around you. Look at the conditions. What's the weather like? Okay. Even the angle of the sun, the time of the day. Yep. You know, look at the vegetation. Even if you're like me and you can't identify half the crap that's in there. Yeah. You can still get that pic- the, the yeah. mental picture mental of what picture. it looks like. Look at it. Look for that elsewhere. Yep. And you're eventually going to be able to piece it together. And it's like right now, I can't tell you the plant species that it's there, but if I'm walking through the woods, you've been there to where I'm like, this is grousy. Yeah. And yep. and you just know it. And it's just like, I can't tell you what that is, what that is, what that is. But I've been here before. I've seen birds flying through that right there. Like, yeah. And, you know, this is going to sound like it contradicts the advice a little bit but on one hand we're saying just because it looks good don't fall in love with it on the other hand if it looks really good something i learned hunting woodcock in virginia was if it's good habitat and you you know if it's early successional stuff right next to a creek bed and it's all flat and it's maybe got some some open stuff like a little transition type area next to it you know what i consider like perfect woodcock habitat and you go through there and you don't get anything don't write it off for the rest of the season or the rest of the week-long <laughs> trip yep circle back to it because especially with woodcock those little tricky birds They'll be in there I mean, one day and gone and the next, gone the next. Yep. so and they could not be in there and there the next day yep. so so don't just hunt a place one time and then go oh mark that off the list didn't didn't get anything in there it yep. could be it could be on fire the next day. Exactly. And so obviously when you're preparing for your trip, there's more to it than just map scouting and hunt scouting. I mean, that's, that's the fun stuff, but there's a certain level of preparation that you as a responsible hunter and dog owner need to take before you even get to that trip. It doesn't do you any good to go 
drive 12 to 20 hours away and not only you are out of shape to where you can't fully <laughs> prepare for the uh for the hunt not with rocky mountain hunt strong man it's exactly what i was about to say check them out That's gdiy right. co gets you 10 percent off there you go but also you have your dog's conditioning to consider okay and we've all we've all gone hunting with the guy that they have one dog or maybe they have two or three dogs but one dog's their favorite and they just burn them up yeah immediately your dogs need a certain level of conditioning just like you to really take advantage of the time that you have up in that specific area you need to that's why we're doing the episode right now You need to be preparing yourself and your dogs for that hunting trip right now. Right now. And it's a great time because, you know, it's it's hot everywhere right now. Yep. Your dog's conditioning, if it can if you can get your dog's conditioning to its peak right now in the heat of summer, then what do you think it's gonna do in the fall? Yeah. I mean, you're just that much better off and you can hunt longer. And recover faster. There, you I got it, I man. couldn't prevent myself, so <laughs> Zach will be you, proud. You tried to stop yourself. <laughs> I you tried. paused, but I tried. Yeah, I tell you what. Another thing is, even once you've conditioned your dog, there, there's really no way to condition them to be able to hunt all day. I guess if you if you're able to get your dog out every day right now and start yep. conditioning them for the entire day, then sure. So that's a way, but. Nobody can do that. No. So if you're like me, I'm going with one dog. If I try to hunt my dog all day for seven days, by day three, he's fried. He's going to, like, his muscles are going to be seizing <laughs> up, you know? I mean, I, you're probably going to have to take some anti-inflammatory with you anyways to to help them along, just like I need to eat some ibuprofen after a couple <laughs> of days too. But, um, you know... Don't wear them out the first day. I mean, you're excited. You want to run your dog all day. If you run them all day, two days in a row, how many days does it take for them to recover from that? Yeah. So, you know, and um, I, have I know to, you don't want to hunt half days either, So, but you just got to kind of yeah, ease them in. I, I have to interrupt on this. Yeah. Don't be that guy saying, yeah, but he's still hunting. It's like, dude, he's traveling at like 10% of his speed. Sure. Just because they're moving does not mean you're getting good quality hunting out of them. They're just like us. If you're exhausted yeah. and fried, you're not going to do a good job. So you're, you're honestly, not mentally focused. <laughs> no. And so it's like, okay, I have two dogs. You have one. When we go hunting, and I, you've seen me, yeah. I plan it out to where the majority, 99% of the time, I don't have both dogs on the ground because right. I want to effectively hunt as much time as possible, and splitting them up gives me that opportunity. Yeah, and you do a good job of managing it to where you can have a pretty much fresh dog all the time. You know, it's just like with we've already started talking about for the drive up, how many trucks we're taking, yeah. how many of us are traveling together, what that would look like with us rotating out and sleeping in the passenger seat or the back seat and having a, a fresh driver all the time. You basically do the same thing with your dogs. Yep. And there's going to be a point throughout the week that I'm not going to be hunting behind my dog. I mean, that's, I well, want to hunt behind my dog all the time, but you just can't do it for a week and, straight. You know, to, 
to that point, I have two dogs, so I can keep swapping them out. I can usually get a morning hunt, afternoon hunt, and with one of the dogs, and then just keep swapping them off. And if I've watched their yep. watched their feeding schedule and everything correctly, I can usually I can hunt all week long if I'm smart and pay attention to the miles and hours that they spend in the field. And then like you know, Joe's going with us. Obviously, he's got Jack. So it's like if you run Mitch and he runs Jack, y'all can swap them off and right. really take advantage of the time spent up in the Northwoods. But, it, you know, so many people go up there and fry their dogs, and I get it. You want to see all of your dogs in action. Yep. I, I get it. And, you know, whether people want to admit it or not, usually they have a dog that outperforms the other one, whether it's on age or yeah. experience or just that sure. you flat out have a better dog. Yeah, that doesn't mean that you can hunt that better dog all week long. Yeah. I know you want to, but you know what makes a dog better? More the experience. bird contacts and That's more right. experience. So you know what? That dog that you consider less than the other dog, that solo time in the field and hunting by themselves, it's going to bring them that much closer to yeah. your better dog. If you don't dogs. get them out there, they're going to stay lesser than the other dog yeah. due to lack of experience. Exactly. And so another thing to kind of caveat off the conditioning of yourself and your dog, you have to prepare yourself with supplies. You know, there's yep. certain things that go into these trips that – you obviously do not want to have happen. You don't want a porcupine incident. You don't want your dog to collapse from heat exhaustion if you're still hunting in early. You know, there, there are certain things that it's very simple to, you know, get with your vet, come up with a great first aid kit yourself if you, if you don't just order one offline. And, you know, we've done an episode with Wit in the past talking about, first aid kits and we covered that extensively we're actually talking about trying to get wit on again soon to kind of revamp everybody on that but don't overlook the first aid kit i that's something we've planned out before on trips is hey we're we're going to go over to east tennessee for this weekend let's just take one truck and who's got the first aid kit yeah and hey don't don't bring your truck first aid kit because i've got mine you know what i've got in it I like to have a a field first aid kit, something that I carry in my vest that's enough to get me back to the truck, and then I have a much more extensive first aid <laughs> kit in the truck. Yep. Um, with that, if we're if we want to like militarize this, you know the the medevac plan. <laughs> always know where the closest vet is because yes. uh, we went to some places last year where you don't have cell phone service, and something that is scary to think about is needing to know where a vet is, but not having service to be able to pull it up on your phone and figure out where it is. So know where that is ahead of time, communicate it to your other hunting party members and, and know how to get there, at least which direction to head until you hit some service where you can get on the GPS and punch it in. Exactly. And, and I'm kind of like you, you know, not to hammer the first aid kits, too deep in the ground you know i have a basic first aid kit in the cab of my truck kind of for us just basic whatever you got a headache here you go you know it's whatever and then i keep a field first aid kit for me and my dogs mostly my dogs in my vest that i carry out with me it's a little small red pouch works great but then i have a freaking backpack that wit kind of hooked me up and advised i mean i i've got everything sailing pouches like i mean i could do 
dang near surgery on I've got a skin field. stapler in mind that I'm like, I always look at it and I'm like, <laughs> am I going to use this? Dude, what, in what circumstance yeah. would I ever even use this? But then you look online and a lot of those kits you buy online include it. Yeah. I'm like, oh, oh man, but, I just hope I never have to yeah. use it. But, you know, to your point, you don't want to carry a freaking wheelbarrow of stuff on your back all the way through the hunt. That's going to yeah, diminish no how much you enjoy the hunt. So sure. it's like carry the bare necessities out in the field. That you, that you feel that you really need in case of an emergency just to get you back to the truck and then have your go pack, whatever the heck you want to call it, in your truck that if you have something more serious that you need to, you know, stop some bleeding until you can get to the vet. And, to your, and then that goes into your point. You need to know where the vet is because if you're in that high, quick emergency situ- situation where every minute counts, you need to know where your vet is. Yeah, and the, the other thing with just – dog care is a feeding schedule so yes. your feeding schedule may change with it not it may change it will change with your dog rotation yep. so you know i feed my dog morning and evening but when he's going out to run extensively whether it's for a free run training session or hunting i don't feed him in the morning sometimes yep. i'll give him just you know a little bit to kind of like get him to stop bugging me about eating in the morning <laughs> and then I'll feed him extra in the evening to make up for it. So as you rotate your dogs out, you've, you compensate for their feeding schedule. And something I learned is don't bring him back from hunting, throw them in the truck and give them food immediately. Like, well, let them catch their breath. I, yeah, I fed uh, my first dog one time, finished hunting with a guy and I was like, man, I didn't feed him this morning, so let me give him some food. And, of course, he scarfed it down and then just puked it right back up. <laughs> and I was like, dude, something's wrong with my dog. He's like, you just, he just, you know, he goes, I don't know anything about dogs, but, I mean, he just ran a marathon, man. I was if, I, say, yeah. if I ran a marathon and ate a bunch of food, I'd probably do the same yep. thing. Yeah, and and to your point, I, I don't feed in the morning before hunt, so I know which dog is getting their morning hunting. So I'll feed the one that's hunting in the afternoon and sure. not the one in the in the morning. And then after the morning hunt, I give them a good 30, 45 minutes, and, and then, then I'll feed them. Then feed them. And, yep. and, it, and it works great. They'll knock out. And also another thing people don't really understand, just because right now what your dog eats right now in the middle of summer, yeah, it's going to go up when you're hunting that hard for that many days in a row. Yep. Be prepared. At, I would say probably 50% more is a good yeah. indication. And so if you're going on a long trip, don't just, you know, I'm going out for seven days. I'm going to scoop out seven days worth of food based on now. Sure. You need to add 50% more because yep. especially if you're wanting these dogs to recover fast and hit it hard, how many times, I mean, even with feeding them more, these dogs are coming back after these trips just skin and bones because they yeah. will run all freaking day. Well, and on, on the feeding topic, not to get too detailed about it, but I adjust my dog's food every day. I mean, like four cups is kind of the standard for my dog, but if he's having a really lazy day, I'm like, eh, three and yeah. a half. Yep. And if he's done you know, say 30 minutes to an hour of running four and a half. If he's hunting, it's automatically five cups, yep. maybe more. If he's hunting for days, then he might get six or seven cups a day. Yep. I do the same thing too. I'm, I change the ratio 
every day on a daily basis, yep. whether, you know, how much they're working. But, you know, the average person, from what I can tell, doesn't do it. They kind of have just a yeah. regular cup in the bin and they do that. Okay, whatever works for you, that's fine. You don't have to be as technical or as, right. as obsessive as me and Adam are. But just know when you're hunting that hard and that long they need on, the calories. on a long trip, they need the calories. They need the fat. They need the protein. Yep. So be sh- And then, you know, a lot of dogs get stressed out just from travel. Yeah. A lot of dogs don't even want to eat the same thing. And, you know, they'll stop drinking water. And so they de- – dehydration. So a, a nice trick is either just mixing water up with the food. Yeah, they, I do that every time. They yep. get that extra hydration and kind of creates that little nice gravy that they want. Yeah. Uh, and if you're, my dog just swallows his food, yeah. so it's good to and, have. And I know some I, water. In I there. know some people that they they they'll get the canned food and mix yeah. it in with the dry food. Just that extra little cal caloric, just hit a adrenaline. Sure. <laughs> just get yeah, it to yeah. them. Get that energy. Or in. you could be like old timer Bill and give him an oatmeal cream pie at the end of the hunt. After every hunt, it's like that glycogen level, man. <laughs> uh, hey, it, you know, it, it's, he's, who am I to argue with somebody that's been doing it for as long as OTB, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But yeah, it's, you know, the fall trip can be, obviously we look forward, forward to it every year like yeah. i'm excited i mean we're already oh, trying yeah. to figure out where we want to go next fall it, it's honestly what gets me through the year as much as i love <laughs> testing <laughs> yep. and training and all that it if it wasn't for the fall trip and just the look to the fall it i wouldn't be in this and you need to plan accordingly for it because it's if if you're just one of those guys that like yeah sure i'll tag along yeah sure i'll go there <laughs> yeah yeah sure you know show me where to hunt you're not going to enjoy it that much. You will yeah. get more out of it by taking your time, doing your homework, and figuring it out for yourself. And that doesn't mean that you can't go hunt with somebody else in your party, but if you don't start figuring it out on your own, you're never going to be able to figure out it on, on your own on a regular basis, not even on the trip. And that's honestly what, you know, this trip, we're going somewhere that neither one of us have ever been. And, you know, we kind of got guided into a certain area, the region of the state said go there. But as far as hunting spots, we've got nothing. We've got no no guidance or no indication. We're going to go up there, and we may fall flat on our butts. Like, we may not find anything. That's part of hunting, and we're willing to take that chance. You know, <laughs> yep. it, we may do this Minnesota recap, and everybody's like, man, these guys really don't shoot anything. These guys did a whole episode well, on how to – yeah, we just yeah. told you how to get there and how to plan. We didn't yep. tell you how to do, find birds. <laughs> do as I say, not as I do. You know, we just took the Tennessee hunting element up to Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. But – Nah, we'll do good. It, yeah, and you have to have that attitude. But also, we're not creating the the expectations to where if we go up there and we strike out, it's not going to be a failure. What right. are we learning from? We're going to have a great time. We're going to have a great time. While you know? you're getting your face scratched up with briars, <laughs> Joe and I are going to be at the at the bar drinking local craft beers, and yeah, we're going to have a great time. <laughs> so, so if there's no grouse, Joe, you're just going into the township and trying to buy a bar with Adam and leaving me out in the woods to suffer alone. Exactly, just like old times. <laughs> Well, you know, there's something to be said for consistency, I guess. Yeah, man. Well, you guys and gals have a good time planning your trip and uh, let us know how the trip goes this fall. Absolutely. 
Thank you for listening to GDIY. If you enjoy this podcast, please remember to take a moment to rate, review, and share with a friend. Also, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram under Gundog It Yourself. If you really enjoy this podcast and would like to contribute even more to future content, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Gundog It Yourself. Thanks again and happy hunting. Everyone seems to have the same questions or concerns when they start trying to decide which kennel to purchase for their vehicle. Perhaps it's time to stop asking all the questions and just design the perfect setup that meets your exact needs. B-Pro Kennel specializes in designing and fabricating custom premier dog boxes handcrafted right here in the USA from high-grade, lightweight aluminum. They'll get you set up with the size dimensions, lighting, storage, battery boxes with solar charging, and anything else you can dream of. Stop stressing over buying the wrong setup, just have to replace it again in a year go ahead and check out bprokennels.com and get exactly what you want if you're considering changing your dog's food soon then be sure to check out yukonuba pro performance their science-backed formulas are designed to take your dog to the next level of performance they also now have the new puppy formula to help your pups start strong and live active when looking at all the different food options remember yukonuba to help power their ultimate performance Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Bob from Lone Duck's Gun Dog Chronicles podcast. I hope you just enjoyed the episode you just listened to. And if you did, I think you'll enjoy hopping on ours. We've got professional retriever trainers and upland bird dog trainers from across the country and world sharing their tips and tricks and great stories to help you and your dog get ready for the season. We'll see you there.